Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Traveling on business? Then take us along and stay on track. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Coming up. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, Star Wars is back. And what are we talking about? Of course, we're talking about the great economic collapse of the evil galactic empire. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, from New York, ready to give you the business, here's the Money Beat crew. There are stories about what happened. It's true. Oh, yeah, there is a new Star Wars movie in the theaters, and the fans have awakened. Hello, everyone. Paul Vigna from the Money Beat team here. Yeah, of course. What are we going to talk about today? We're talking about Star Wars. Uh, Eric Holm, Phil Izzo with me, and we have a very special guest today, Professor Zachary Feinstein from Washington University in St. Louis. And, uh, Professor, we have you on because, look, this is, this is Money Beat. We talk about economics. We talk about business. And you wrote a paper, and there's a blog post online, folks, on, on the blog, if you want to follow along at home, about this. Uh, you wrote a paper, Professor, about what what I thought was a really interesting thing is, okay, because the question is, you see, the, if you haven't seen the movie yet, you've at least seen the trailers, right? And you know the Empire is back. How did the Empire came, but come back? They were vanquished. They were done. Luke had killed Vader. He the Emperor. Everything was over. And now, the Empire, how could the Empire possibly come back? And the answer is, Professor, and I want you to explain this to us, is uh, basically it's economics. It's exactly economics. <laughs> so at the end of Episode 6, in the Battle of Endor, the rebels appear to have won. However, they don't have a plan for economic policy after they take power. And what I found was by repudiating the debt of the two Death Stars and just the financial repercussions of this, there would be a systemic crisis. And really, without a bailout of a galactic size uh, of 15 to 20 percent of the galactic economy, which, just to put that in perspective, I estimated the galactic economy at 609 sextillion dollars per year. This is not small numbers. Uh, So without that amount of a bailout, there really would be no economy left. And the rebels, even though they took out a tyrannical uh, totalitarian regime, would be blamed by the common people. Yeah, and, and just to, to put this in context for, for, for folks, you wrote a white paper. This is You actually went and modeled all this. You were a professor of economics, and you, you, you used the actual kind of analyses and processes you would use to model a real crisis. But, but this was a tongue-in-cheek paper. You're a fan of the movies, oh, and yeah. you wanted to have a little fun with it, and, and you did it. The paper is—I love, you know, like references to, to Bothan spies, and, I mean, you really went deep into it. It was really a lot of fun. Uh, Eric Holm is Yeah, I was going to say, in. not only that, you, you did rely on some previous scholarship as well, it appeared. Yes. No, this is true research. This is true <laughs> academic research. I just— I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I realize that by writing about a financial crisis that I foresaw in Star Wars, um, that I was able to calculate the numbers for, I realized by doing that, 
this research would truly be disseminated to a much larger audience than a typical academic paper. Well, I think it was really interesting paper, but there are a lot of assumptions you make in there, right? Like, you know, uh, that the rebels... Phil, Phil starting with the cr- size of the Death Star. Phil is one of our best economic minds here, Zachary, so you're in for it now. But uh, the, the rebels would, uh, you would assume, you can't base them all on Han Solo. Yes, he was didn't think twice before he went in, but, you know, Leia was a senator. I mean, she had some experience. You'd have to think she has, she knows but that she Leia, could devalue Leia, the currency, possibly. I think you're right? mixed. Leia wasn't a senator, wasn't right? I think, I Leia, was a, Leia was a senator at the beginning of episode four before uh it was before palpatine was uh dissolved dissolved the senate yes (laughs) of course she also was a princess this is a a hereditary job apparently so we can't quite say that she has this uh this thinking process right right they they have moxie they have verve right yeah and and that's your whole point is that they were they were very good at short-term thinking and and you know enacting this rebellion but look Long term, they just could not. And would they have even have had the means to do a bailout of that size? That's the real question. And they would not have had the means to do that. So there could have been things that they could have signaled saying, when we take over, we will do X, Y, Z, that could also have mitigated this disaster. Right. Because, they, well, they had X and Y wings. You know, those things yeah, they, they had. Yeah, they had the X and Y wings. Right. right. So, uh, you, what I thought was really great in the paper, too, is you actually modeled the intergalactic banking system yeah. and came up with a model of what it would look like and what the collapse of that would do to the economy. And I like that they, that you assume they had deposit insurance as well because, uh, you know, it, they, the empire was evil, but it, they weren't savage. Well, so I assume that when the rebels took over, the deposit insurance also is now gone. Right, right. That went right. away. Um, so if if there was deposit insurance... Then, without a bailout, there was around a 2.5 per- average over my simulations of 2.5 percent drop in the gross galactic product (GGP) um, rather than the GDP. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but still, 2.5 percent drop—that's larger than fourth quarter 2008. So this is not something that is negligible. It's a real financial crisis. It's, it's a, a real financial galactic crisis. depression. The Galactic Depression, exactly. Yep. Yeah, and you ended on a low note there in the yes. paper. Uh, but I ended it where I saw what the trailers were looking like. I saw how things were looking for Episode 7, and I'm not going to spoil anything about what happens in the movie. Um, but all this analysis, based on the trailers, the Empire seems to have been coming back. The Rebels were not in charge. Something had to have gone wrong. So it fits within the story of what we know between Episode 6 and the trailers for Episode 7. Well, and you know what I think is great, too, is, and we haven't hit on this yet, is that in your paper, what you, you posit really is that this was actually part of the plan of Emperor Palpatine. Yes. Uh, explain how that, how that came about. So when I started doing this modeling and I started looking at this and found that the numbers were so astronomically large for this crisis. This is a non, without deposit insurance, a non-negligible chance of a 30% drop in GGP overnight. That's larger than the entire Great Depression in the U.S. So from peak to trough in the U.S. for the Great Depression, 1929 to 1933, was a 26.7% drop in U.S. GDP. So this would happen overnight in just the financial sector there is no economy left. This is truly mutually assured destruction 
that the emperor would have foreseen. He's a very good planner. He was able to start as a senator in episode one and be the emperor by the end of episode three by playing both sides of a civil war. Mm-hmm. Right. He yeah, clearly right. knows how to come up with plans. So I think he saw this and said, look at this. They're obviously going to notice this, too. They can't be so foolhardy as to think they can kill me and take over. Right. But so, the assumption, the problem with that, as you pointed out, is that these rebels, uh, as evidenced by Han Solo, uh, have no uh, forward-thinking skills. No, they, they shoot first. They definitely yeah. shoot first. <laughs> oh, that's debatable, but, isn't it? I mean, No, no. <laughs> no, it's not debatable. No. Lucas ruined it in the special editions. So then what comes after the, the financial crisis in the, uh, in the, in the, gala- the galaxy? I mean, do... Do uh, does anybody have to jump into the void? Like, how does the how does well, the next you'll, empire? You'll come find in? out when you go see oh, it. Okay. Yeah, we should, yeah, we right. should tell people here. Let's, but, yeah, let, yeah. Let, let's take a break, and we're going to come back. We'll continue this a little bit. Uh, we're going to keep talking about Star Wars. Spend lots of time on your device, then spend some of that time with us. WSJ Podcasts, the sound of success. Now, Money Beat. We are back talking about Star Wars. Paul Vigna, Eric Holm, Phil Izzo, and Professor Zachary Feinstein from Washington University. And, uh, Professor, I so want to throw Eric and Phil out of the studio right now. Just (laughs) you and I talk about the movie. Because you and I have seen it. These two guys haven't. But we can't do that. Uh, Phil, you had you were just completing a thought. There. Complete that thought, and, and let's keep this going for a couple of minutes. Well, just what the next steps are. Like, right. what happens when the when the economy collapses? How, how does somebody step into the void? What do they do? Do they devalue the currency? Do they just start from scratch? Do they introduce something new? What happens, uh, Professor? What, what happens? What happens after? Uh, so it really depends. Uh, without going into anything from Episode Seven, I think there would be some remnants of the Empire that still exist, because not everyone in the Empire was on the second Death Star. And they could have said, look, our stormtroopers are still being fed. Our stormtroopers still have somewhere to live, still have stability. That could attract people to joining the Empire. They would see the stability as a good thing, and that really would fill in the void. Did uh, did J.A. Abrams hire you as a consultant on this film? Were Were you used... I was not. I wish I was. That you was were not. Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, the Empire might look good to some people. I mean, we know in the in the in the old in the prequels, right? There's slavery in Tatooine, yep. but there's no slavery in the regular Star Wars in four, five, and six. So maybe the Empire wasn't quite as bad as everybody thinks. So it's very possible that it's like, hey, listen, what you know, under these rebels, I have no economy. Yeah, sure, I don't have any senators anymore, but I, you know, we the economy crashed. Uh, we, you know, the, there's the slavery's coming back. I mean, all this terrible things. But let's go the, back the, to the this, Empire the, days. This is this is from a man who is a the, the fascist sympathizer who's got the Adat T-shirt on right now. <laughs> Phil Izzo, everybody. Uh, okay, let, let's talk for a second. Uh, all right, Zach, yep. you and I, without getting into spoilers, we saw the movie last night. What were your how did it affect you to see this movie in the theaters? And did it remind you? Because, look, a lot of this clearly is nostalgia. We all grew up with this. Uh, you know, what What did it mean to 28-year-old Professor Zachary Feinstein to see this movie in his last night in, in relation to how it made, say, 10-year-old Zachary Feinstein feel? Oh, it was a very fun movie. It It very much reminded me of very specific scenes in the original trilogy. 
which was great for me to be able to see in theaters to really get that feeling because, as you said, like I'm 28. I was not alive when the original movies were first in theaters. I only had the remastered editions uh, where all of a sudden you have random extra uh, parts added in and Han shooting second. Um, So this is really, for me, other than the prequels, this was where I was able to see Star Wars scenes like what I was what I think of as Star Wars in theaters and it was great right yeah see you guys Eric do you guys are you guys old enough to remember a time before Star Wars I'm Uh, just too young you're just too young yeah yeah. Yeah. because the first one came out in 77 77 right see I'm old enough to remember life before Star Wars I'm, I'm dark, 47. Dark time. Yeah. It was a it was dark, dark time, time for the before the rebellion. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, but I remember. I mean, I remember viscerally, and I'm not over. I'm not over exaggerating. I remember viscerally going to see that movie for the first time, and my mm. parents taking me to go see it. And it was a theater up on Route Four in Paramus, and just being. I, I mean, I can picture in my right now. I can picture the marquee. And the big letter Star Wars, you know, that trapezoid figure that they were. And just the movie to a little kid. I was like eight years old at the time. I mean, there was nothing, nothing like it. We, I'm not kidding. People, I'm going on a, a tiny rant here. We watched Laurel and Hardy and the Three <laughs> Stooges and, and Shirley Temple. Like the stuff we had on TV, all we had was stuff from the Great Depression. Yeah. Everything was black and white and 40 years old. It was unreal. Then this movie comes that is, the special effects are amazing, it's fun, it's fast-paced, it's good. It was such a sea change in what we had available to us as kids. And I think that's why for a lot of people of my age, you remember these movies so much and they're so they're such a big deal to you. So... It was fun to go last night and to see the movie again. You know, it was great to be in a crowd, the audience. I don't know if it were, what they were like where you were, Zachary, but here in the city, I mean, everybody was really into it. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People were dressed. I didn't dress up, but people were dressed up. People were chanting, you know. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and it really is something that – you know what I thought was interesting, too, is there were a lot of intergenerational people there. We did an, We interviewed people for a little tape. A lot of people, a lot of parents – Parents and ch- with children, yeah, a lot of siblings. To see it You're taking your kids to see it tonight. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Luke and I don't mean Luke Skywalker. I mean Eric Holmes. Luke. He's a little, <laughs> My son, he's yeah. a little too young for this. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I did the math, and he will be old enough to see the last one, the last oh, of yeah. the nine, um, when that hits the theaters. Well, there's yeah. something I think very visceral about this that appeals to kids, and I think the universe is part of it. And it goes to Zach's paper too. It's it's this sense of it being huge. Like it, you, you want to get into the taxonomy of it. It's sort of like dinosaurs, like the way kids love all the different types of dinosaurs. The fact that everything has a name and like you can figure out what that is. I mean, it makes you want to delve into the universe. That's why they have this like giant expanded universe and why we're writing papers about Star Wars even years later is that you assume that there's this whole world. That's this wonderful thing that Lucas did is created this whole world behind everything else that lends itself to imagination. Oh, that was... I, I wish I had told you before, Phil, that we're going to take a quick break and come back with a final thought, because that actually would have been the great final thought. Let's take one quick break, and we're going to come back with some. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, 
ISO 27001, and more. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash WSJ. Final thoughts. Cutting through the clutter to bring you the people and stories that matter to you. WSJ Podcasts. Sound ideas. Now, Money Beat. All right, Paul Vigna, Eric Holm, Philizzo, Zachary Feinstein with some final thoughts. Uh, final thought, Eric Holm, how excited are you to go see this movie? I, I it's it's painful it's torture that I can't go until the middle of next week it's re, it's 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 awful and uh, you, you know what why I, I I need to cleanse my palate from the 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 one two and three from the prequels it, from the prequels mm-hmm. uh, and I'm so excited at the possibility that this might be it but I can't allow myself to fully believe it yeah. Phil you said you're going to bring your your son how you know my daughter, to, your daughter. tonight. Tonight. We're going uh, to 7.45 at the Ziegfeld. Um, How old is she? Nice. She is 11, so She's kind of perfect age yeah. for this. She's really into it, which is amazing. Uh, and uh, it, it's nice that it's, like, expanded, too. I mean, there was Princess Leia, at least, in this one. But, the, you know, the, there's a woman who's the one of the main characters of the new movie. And, Ray. like, it makes, uh, it makes my daughter really into it. And, like, yeah. she wants to be a part uh, of it. She's going to love Ray. <laughs> I, I will say this is not giving away a spoiler. Daisy, Daisy Ridley is tremendous in the movie. She's absolutely great. Uh, Professor Feinstein, how are your students responding to this paper? So not too many of them have mentioned anything just because it came out right at finals time. So (laughs) I think they had other things on their mind. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, Well, look, everyone, I want to thank you for listening. Professor Feinstein, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Eric, Phil, Paul Vigna, uh, have a good weekend and, you know, may the force be with you. And also with you. And also with you. (laughs) WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.